Hey Ed, good evening and how are you doing? Welcome, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> this is, yeah, this no, is the start of the show now, Tom, just so you know. And listeners, you didn't hear the minute that just went before this. Because um, Ed, Ed was being, in, even in for him, he was being a what's it. Um, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm a bit tired, so this might be a bit of a punchy one. I, I can't lie. Uh, my chances of fully making sense all the way through this show are, are, are somewhat limited, but I'll, I'll have my, I'll give it my best shot. You're going to say something about how oh, that makes a change from normal, aren't you? I can, I saw the look cross your face. I, I certainly was not. How dare you? How very, how very dare you? How are you, Ed? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I've, I spent the weekend doing much the same as I spend every other day, which is chasing two boys around and. Trying to encourage them to do something other than just watch TV, but it's very hard. It's tough. It's tough. Um, it is, and and I watched United versus Arsenal, which we'll talk about shortly. Yeah, quite so. very convenient. This one, in terms of watching a game on the internet, literally on Manchester United's very own website. Which it helps. if only if only all the games yes. that we wanted to watch were. Well, I, I started watching it on uh, Football Alia, Footballia. Don't know how to pronounce it. I'm pretty sure it's footballier. It, it should be footballier, uh, and it was in Russian. So I was like, "No, nah, this isn't right." I'm going to search around and see if I can find it somewhere else because my Russian is uh, a bit rusty. So, uh, but <laughs> but like, yes, fortunately on the Manchester United website because they decided to do this um, game this week as well. So, but anyway, um, there's there's stuff happening in the world of football before we get to Arsenal versus United. Just okay, a, just a little bit, going, which is interesting. What's going down? Hmm? What's, go, what's going down in uh, in football land? Well, so around the world of football, the Bundesliga is confirmed that it's coming back on May the 16th. Uh, with a, uh, they won't be playing in neutral stadiums. They'll be playing in their own stadiums, um, and but they have a very thorough system of testing and tracing in in Germany and there's a pretty thorough system going to be um, implemented for Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 teams and in fact has been already and we you may have noticed the uh, news that what is it, Dynamo Dresden had to quarantine their entire squad which is already shows one of the major problems with with coming back um, not like every other industry where if you uh, if you have one factory worker who gets coronavirus, you can send him home and anyone he's been in contact with, but you don't send the whole factory home. Football's got to decide whether they're going to send that one person home, which seems to be the trouble in the Premier League were floating this week, or whether you have to send the whole squad home, which is clearly what the Bundesliga is doing. Premier League don't have a return date yet, so they're still talking about June 12th. Uh, but you'll have read all the stories about the bottom six versus everybody else in terms of playing at neutral venues or not, which is basically what the police are saying has to happen because they're concerned about um, crowds gathering outside of, of grounds. And you can just imagine, I mean, I don't want to pick on Liverpool particularly, but just imagine Liverpool wins the title. Many, many people are going to gather at Anfield if they're team is playing there so they might do it anyway so um you can kind of understand the uh the logic behind that uh, request i think uh but the bottom six think it's going to disadvantage them or they're playing a game of chicken in which they've calculated that the cost of having to pay back bt and sky and international broadcasters is less than the cost of going down 
Yeah, that's, so a, maybe that's a really like good the point, isn't voided it? instead and having no relegation. I mean, that is such a good point because, I mean, I don't know what the maths is on that, but there's got to be close to correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be about a £50 million rebate domestically and who knows what else um, internationally. So, yes. So one of the things about that is that just does not sound like a lot of... Is that £50 million across the league? No, no, each. Okay. Okay, yeah. that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, especially for clubs that are not... There are definitely clubs in the league, like Arsenal, for example. Yeah. And like, that might be worst case scenario, which you said the contract hasn't been fulfilled there for this portion of... You know, this this season has not been fulfilled. Therefore, we are not paying you for this season. And it, and almost certainly, what actually happened is that Sky wouldn't be saying, "Hey, hand over fifty million quid in ten pound notes, and we got a truck outside." It's that they would negotiate for a discount on the next deal, or something like that, or withhold payments, which is happening in France and a few other countries and stuff. So there's a bit of a mess there. Uh, and of course, you know the Premier League is still sort of faced with this conundrum of how to how to position this in a time of great difficulty for everyone. And of course, you know there's there's quite a lot of reaction, which is isn't it disgusting that the Premier League are coming back? Um, and I, I think they're trying to get the message out there that well, it's existential. This industry doesn't exist if we don't come back. Um, and in fact, if they come back and get it wrong, and there's a whole series of you know, uh, coronavirus infections amongst squads and they can't fulfil games and this eight-week window, which they think they can finish the season, just ends up meaning teams playing four games a week or something like that because they've had to take a break for two weeks. And maybe the season doesn't get finished and and then it won't come back for months. So they need to get it right as well as, um, you know, trying to play some games. So, you know, I have there's some sympathy with the clubs. It's, it's they're in a almost a no win situation and and they're trying to make the worst the best of it it's just that you we've now exposed 20 clubs 20 different agendas yeah, yeah. very clearly yeah. they may negotiate for a single contract collectively but they're not in it together which is obviously the case i mean they're competitive uh institutions aren't they you know that's they're not they're not a collective in the way that some sports leagues are. Oh, that's right. And, and and of course, at the top, some teams have something to gain. There's a, the, I mean, for Manchester United, the Europa versus Champions League places could be up to £100 million. So that's a hell of a lot of money to think about. Uh, and in sponsorship and TV and match day and so on. But down at the bottom the way they all structure their finances, it's existential. You know, you see, you've see, you seen teams drop and then just not come back for years because they're in so much debt and they wouldn't be able to meet EFL um, uh, financial fair, fair play rules, which are pretty stringent and, and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, they're fighting tooth and nail. Um, the, uh, the French League voided the season, right? Yeah. So no one's declared. It's not like they declared Paris Saint Germain the champions. No, no, no. They, they declared Paris Saint Germain the champions. Okay. Yeah. Um, Avoided the season, but declared Paris Saint Germain the champions. What did they do about relegation? You know what? I don't know. I right, somehow okay. knew you were going to answer ask oh, that question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in Holland, they they avoided the season. No one was declared the winner. No one's getting relegated. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's been? Do you know? Have you seen any fallout from that? Because there was all the talk of UEFA being really like 
adamant that no teams can void the season. You, you know what? What has happened is that there's just a cascade of realization around uh, European leagues where money doesn't broadcast money doesn't play quite the same. Um, important part so uh, yeah the similar kind of decision they're they're thinking about making in Scotland as well uh, and and you if are just going to get their pants pulled down on this one because they cannot ban clubs from a dozen countries which may well be the case you know I mean something like 50 countries take part in European UEFA competitions so it's not just the 27 in the EU plus the UK it's it's a you know, whole mass of the continent, and and many of them will be voiding seasons. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, and and probably UEFA's going. They haven't made the announcement yet. They're probably going to have to cancel the Nations League for next summer because there's going to be this pile up. What with Euro, um, I mean, they're going to have to cancel the Nations League. Well, it obviously. was all it was already bananas, wasn't it? We talked about that for some bonus content and just how. Yep ridiculous the the international calendar looks in the next two years and how it's going how many seasons it's going to cross over and affect and now now all that's completely up in the air and just yeah well qatar Qatar 2022 world cup might actually sync well with um a bunch of country seasons now because it's like four or five months late starting the next one anyway it's it's still a mess of course we we there's a premier league uh, meeting on monday i think and um, so maybe by the time you're listening to this, there'll be more clarity about that. And the six that are against will have been voted down because it has any any decision has to be two thirds. So fourteen have to agree to it, which is where we're at essentially. Which is about where we're at. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about the Premier League. So uh, sorry, just little politics content warning. Um, so skip ahead two three minutes or whatever. Um, but. The UK's leadership has been spectacularly awful, and that must make it so much more difficult and complicated because everything is just so woolly all the way through all the time. That's got. You, that's mean, got, you oh, mean you didn't? You did, you're not. You're not really clear about what "stay alert" means. <laughs> Listen, I know, I know what "stay alert" means. It means be careful who you vote for next time. Uh, <laughs> stay alert. Do meth. <laughs> And I saw a thing that was like Tory voters next election, stay at home, save the NHS, save lives. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> There's anyway. been so many of those. Yeah. Uh, there was a very good one um, that uh, Olaf Laffel on Twitter did, which is uh, a generator. So it's just a GIF with loads and loads of these and you just press it and that's your uh, that's your message for the day. <laughs> We hope you're enjoying the No Question About That podcast. We are open for sponsorship, so if uh, you run the kind of business that would be interested in sponsoring our show, just drop us an email at nqatpod at gmail.com. Anyway, uh, that's all quite enough of that. It's just horrible. Um, Let's cleanse the palate and uh, talk about a game which is... I think I might have just been thinking of a whole different game. I might have been thinking of the one in 2011-ish where Nanny scores, um, or th- that counter-attacking game. But I-, I was definitely thinking of the right goal for the third goal. But this is not a masterclass in counter-attacking from no, Manchester no. United. This is just a dominant, destructive performance from a team that are sudden, effectively suddenly absolutely light years ahead of Arsenal. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting coming into this game. So this is the 2009 Champions League semi-final, second leg, 5th of May 2009. Obviously, United go um, ahead to the final. I can't remember what happens in that final no, at I'm all. pretty sure we won. Yeah, 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 t- totally, yeah. Uh, and um, so United would finish the season as winners of the league, four points from Liverpool. wonder what could have happened to Liverpool in that title race. Any any big games where they might have slipped up? Don't know. Chelsea were third, Arsenal were fourth, City tenth, tenth, tenth. It's a long time ago, isn't it? Hmm. Um, Two thousand nine so, would have been a year after the takeover. Hmm. Interesting. The the, um, the thing about Liverpool finishing fourth, I had a little look at the the because one of the things about United is that the season by season Wikipedia, the season by season Wikipedia pages are amazing. Like they're they're so detailed and they're brilliantly constructed. And I've looked at some other clubs' ones for various bits of research and stuff, and they're never as good. But the just looking at how many games we won that season, ninety points in the league, and only won it by four points. Liverpool had a heck of a season, but just United were just um, just relentless. Apart from that four-one loss to Liverpool, barely a bad result all season. Just smashed aside all and sundry. Which is a very good team. So this is, uh, I mean, this is it's very similar to the 2008 team. Not an awful lot of uh, evolution there. 2018 won Champions League and the and the league double. Um, and we've got Van der Sar in goal. O'Shea starts right back in this game with Vidic, Ferdinand, and Evra. And we've got Anson, Carrick, and Fletcher in midfield, and Park, Ronaldo, and Rooney up front. Yeah, I like the Tevez, way neither, Tevez is on the bench. Neither Tevez nor Berbatov play in this game. Uh, did we sign Berbatov that summer? No, no. Berbatov and Ronaldo played together. So yeah, we. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember which season. Was it two thousand eight? Berbatov. Yeah, it must arrived. have been because yeah. because Ronaldo leaves this summer, doesn't he? This summer coming. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He he started celebrating goals again by this point in the season. I've seen a compilation of it was on MUTV of like all his goals or whatever. I'm sure lots of people have seen that. Um, but just, yeah, it's very noticeable. The beginning of the 2008-9 season, he's just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care if I've scored. I'm just being... <laughs> the, the part of the season when he's a slave. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then for Arsenal, we've got Almunia in goal, who um, is not great in this game, but was apparently brilliant in the first game. I don't remember, but Paddy Crown references it repeatedly to the commentary. So obviously had a great game at Old Trafford, United won 1-0, but could have won by more. Sanya Torre, Joru Gibbs at the back, Walcott, Fabregas, Song, Nasri across the midfield, and Van Persie and Adebayor up front. It sounds like a sort of all right team with some problems, but there's some really, still some really good players in that. I mean, Fabregas... Van Persie, kind of peak Nazri, but really they just look they just oh, look a shadow of United at this just point. Just in this game, I mean United just so dominant. I mean, especially the the Fletcher Fabregas matchup in midfield. I mean, people, of course, talk about how great Fletcher was in this game and how lucky he was to miss the final, how much it might have made a difference against Barcelona in the final. Maybe, you know, who knows? But, I mean, he absolutely bullies Fabregas in this game. Just just completely dominant uh, to the point where Fabregas is just doing nothing. And, you know, I guess he gets his own back by squealing like a stuck pig for the uh, the late penalty that gets Fletcher sent off as well. 
think it was The Guardian, or either I read The Guardian and BBC post-match reports, and one of them said there's no suggestion of a dive from the Arsenal midfielder. I'm like, isn't there? I mean, there's there's a suggestion of some simulation, I would say. But anyway, we'll, we'll come on to that. Um, some context for this game. You mentioned it briefly at the end of the last show, that we were 1-0 up from the first leg, and this was, like, nervy going here to play this. Because we haven't beat an Arsenal at their place since the tunnel game since 2005. So that's there's been four years since we've beaten Arsenal at Highbury or, you know, the new stadium, because this was in the new stadium, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to the, like a 1-0 lead must have felt very, very slender. I remember it feeling very, very slender. But the game's over within 10 minutes because... Yeah. Well, it's, it's also the, Arsenal hadn't conceded a goal in the Champions League at home in this season, hadn't conceded a goal at, at um, Highbury for a year. Oh, sorry, the Emirates. So, they, you know, this is a... And looking at that back five, I'm like, how? How? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's obviously they, some players missing that I can't recall. But, I uh, I'm not sure there are. I think they just must have had a good run there. I mean, um, the, the thing about this United side, of course, is that they haven't lost a game since the 2007 Champions League semi-final. So there's like two full campaigns of uh, Champions League games since they lost, since they last lost a game uh, in the Champions League. Drawn a couple in the group stages, as is pointed out, but just just a, a very dominant side in Europe. And, you know, when we did beat, brush Arsenal on the side and go to play Barcelona, I think we were pretty heavy favourites for that game. Uh, yes, the 2009 final, yes. Yes, because this this was not the full emergence of... Guardiola's sort of Guardiola, Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, you know, that that full side yet. They still had Eto'o Eto out front, who's a great player, of course, but very different. Um, and, and, and yeah, it just wasn't the full blossoming of that side. No, this was yet. kind of when they, it was their coming out party in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, this Anyway. Anyway, we don't want to talk about that No, we don't. Because um, that was very disappointing. To, to 2011, I didn't expect anywhere near the same. No. Uh, it was a great Barcelona side and, and you know, underdog, we, underdogs. But 2009, it was, yeah. We were also miles, miles worse by 2011 because, of course, this team has Cristiano Ronaldo in it. And that, I mean... I don't really like talking about Cristiano Ronaldo for a whole variety of reasons, none of which are football-related, really. Um, but my goodness, it's just stupid. It's just it's just stupid. What uh, you know? So the in the um, in the Evra United official uh, podcast, Fergie wasn't going to retire. He'd said he wasn't going to retire and they were going to definitely going to get Ronaldo and almost certainly going to get Bale. And we had United managed by Alex Ferguson with Ronaldo and Bale and Van Persie and possibly Rooney. Like, it's so great. That sliding doors is, this really is the darkest timeline, isn't it? Like, I know. And then Moyes turns up and everyone's like... Haven't taken second thoughts about yeah, just this. Just gonna just like that Homer Simpson gif of him like merging into the hedge. <laughs> That's very much that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, anyway, um, a lot of lot of um, sort of chat around this because after uh, 
after eight minutes, it's basically done. After 11 minutes, it's definitely done. 100%. But, but, but let's talk about the first goal. Uh, it comes after eight minutes, Potsy Sung scores it, and it's a beauty, isn't it? I mean, he, he his finish is excellent, but Kieran Gibbs, mate... <laughs> Like <laughs> I know, I know. He he loses his footing, and he's a nineteen-year-old kid, and he doesn't have a great game after that. He doesn't have a horrendous game, but um, but it's, uh, the, the the possession from United beforehand is really nice. I yeah. mean, they're at the back, knocking it around, just so comfortable on the ball. This United side. I mean, they they only actually have forty percent possession in this game. Um, because they're two 0 up after eleven minutes. Exactly, exactly. And that's, there's always context for, context for that. And um, but in defensive situations, particularly, Crone references it in the commentary. United are just very experienced, aren't they? There's never no panic at all ever, and so much quality. Just so every- much quality, and they, so this starts at the back, um, and then the killer pass is Anderson in, into the channel into Ronaldo, who's. Um, He's, uh, he plays a ball across for yeah. Gibbs to slip and Park to, to score. But to Anderson, it kind of reminds you of the range of pass, passing he had. I and mean, if he had a, a slightly better attitude and B, much better fitness, what a player he could have been. Well, you know, the attitude thing is fascinating because this is the thing that, like, it happens in this game. Fergie takes him off in the second half. Alex Ferguson loved Anderson so much. He loved him so much. If yeah, you yeah. ever see maybe his a... application is the right word rather than attitude. Yeah, right. Maybe he's okay. got bad attitude, but you know he, uh, he he would have been doing lockdown like Carl Walker, getting a couple <laughs> of ladies of the night over to help him through it. Right. Um, it's just it's lo- like Ferguson looks at him like a benign granddad every every time you see the two of them in shot together. It's they're always laughing like every time it's beautiful. But anyway, um, Ronaldo, that Ronaldo cross is lovely as well. Gibbs Gibbs kind of slips, but actually Park does really well to take advantage of it, control the ball really well. You know, Park a, a, a kind of, I mean, he plays in this game because he he was Ferguson's sort of weird secret weapon in games like this, wasn't he? I mean, he's like to be preferred to both Tevez and Berbatov. You can tell you're only one nil up going to a place you haven't won for four years in a in a Champions League semi, and, it, and it's it's a good decision right. from Fergie to play him. I mean, you always used to say it was cowardly whenever he played Park. Well, I only said that about once, okay. one game in particular where he played at number ten against Man- Manchester City in a really crucial having, Premier League game, having not played all season anyway. Yeah, else. yeah. So that that was that was a poor poor decision by Ferguson that time round and that was being too defensive and, and he's very progressive in this game he's not playing as that kind of defensive forward he's playing on the right he's flexible they're still very flexible front front three uh, Rooney's off the left ostensibly but wanders all over the pitch so does Ronaldo and Ronaldo pops up on the left for this goal for Park who's coming in off the right to score so He's yeah you know, he's he has a good game park and you, you kind of you um you look at this and and Park was always the sort of squad player wasn't he so was John O'Shea but they're both excellent in this game and you just kind of realise how much depth of quality United had at this period and and through most of Sir Alex Ferguson's time at United not all of it the beginning part and then that sort of two thousand two to five period not so great six. Um, but for the most of his time, he had so much more quality than we've got now. And, you know, there are signs, aren't there, that we may be going that way. If we get the next three or four signings right, then maybe. But nowhere near the squad depth of this squad. 
No, and and you know this is this is the last squad before Glazonomics really starts to bite because the key pieces of this squad have mostly been built in the pre-Glazer era, and then he's then. I mean, there is spending because there's so much revenue. They're, they are they are spending money like Berbatov, but you know, as you've as we've talked about, uh, long-term listeners, really long-term listeners will have heard this a lot. But Berbatov was paid paid for by the pick loans and all that stuff, wasn't he? And all that, it was bundled up into the refinancing of the debt. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'd signed Hargreaves, Nanny, Anderson. They, they were they were substantial sums, but the, but the real record-breaking transfers had happened beforehand. Ferdinand, uh, Rooney, even Ronaldo, that wasn't a record-breaking transfer, obviously, but, you know, a lot of the squad was in place. But, but... But Ferguson had signed unbelievably sensibly as well, hadn't he? Like, Ever and Vidic were just triumphant, successful transfers. Yeah. And not even that expensive, yeah. No. I mean, look at United's bench. It's high quality all the way through. I mean, R- Rafael da Silva is there and he's a, he's a kid at this stage, uh, but had played 20-odd games in the season. Um, Evans, Giggs, Scholes, Berbatov, Tevez. Oh, that's a quality bench. It's interesting that like we've done a lot of these big games, right? And Skulls is absent from quite a few of them. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing because I think mythologically, there's no way you would think there's any chance that Skulls wouldn't play this game. Um, you know, given the way he's the esteem in which he's held, because unlike Giggs is very late in his career by this point. You know, he's a few years older, isn't he? But Skulls really isn't. Uh, I don't know if he was coming back from injury or anything like that, but energy as well. I mean, yes, I don't, I don't know, but Fletcher, Anderson, Carrick. I mean, Carrick, Carrick. They do, they want a defensive, definitely a defensive player in in there, and just someone who keeps the ball sensibly. But F- Fletcher and Anderson are great in this game. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Energy all over the place. And Fabregas and Song in midfield. He's not the most mobile, is he? Uh, just didn't have a chance. Arsenal have all this possession, but they don't do anything with it. Ever. No. So we scored that first goal and then a couple of minutes later, Ronaldo has a blast from a long way out and scores an absolute worldy free kick. And yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just stupid good. It's. I mean, it's an angle. He's. It doesn't favour the right footer. He's got hardly any space, hardly any space to aim this at. He beats Almunia at the near post, but it's, it's past Almunia before he's even diving. It just hits this thing so hard and it goes right and then left. The the shot from behind the goal is great to see the the knuckleball. Uh, it's just, yeah, just absolutely perfect. So what happened to footballs in the time after this? Because it stopped stopped working, Ronaldo, the Ronaldo knuckleball. It doesn't, it, it, at this point, it felt like every time we had a free kick anywhere from 40 yards in, it was a really dangerous, threatening situation. But it, it does, it stopped feeling like that for Ronaldo I mean, maybe I just didn't watch enough like Madrid league games, and he did it all the time. Yeah, but... I'd have to look at the numbers. How many, how many free kicks he's uh, he scored from Madrid? So, yeah, he... I, I, I don't know. I mean, Rashford gets the ball to move. I mean, people yeah. are extremely critical of Rashford. His his record's actually not bad at all. So he's in sort of seven eight percent, I think, something like that. And Messi's a bit higher. Probably, if you went to back to Janino at. Leon, he'd be higher still. Beck's rate, I'm not sure, but I think it'd be, you know, touch higher than that. But, uh, you know. It's pretty it's, good. It's a hard technique, but you score goals like this. Yeah. I mean, 
Ronaldo is brilliant all the way through this game, but the free kick, like I've just put unreal good free kick from Ronaldo. And then because I can't talk about him without some cynicism, he'd started celebrating goals by this point of the season. Um, (laughs) Well, of course, he, he didn't want to stay this season and he spent a lot of it injured and, and how injured he was is up for debate. You know, there's a, a lot of the debate that we have about Paul Pogba today. We heard about Ronaldo, though no one ever questioned whether he was like you know being lazy or in any of the. There were no tropes being uh, you know issued about Ronaldo, but the same debate was being had about whether he was really injured, how committed he was. No one knew at this stage that he was. He'd, they'd already agreed the deal. In fact, months previously. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, it, United fans hold him in tremendous affection and I can see why because of what he did on the pitch and those moments of joy are remembered, aren't they? And just like dancing through Europe with this kid blasting you to success, you would develop a kind of affection for him. But I, even hearing the Viva Ronaldo chants being sung in this game, I always, I always kind of felt like just he doesn't feel the same way. Like it's very, very, it's a very one-way relationship. Sure, it's, it's, it's at this stage it's unrequited, isn't it? But um, I mean, look, it's kind of complex relationship that fans have with ex-players, isn't it? So I think you know, United fans are pretty generous about the players that that go and come back because for the most part they go they head down in their careers. You know, there's a few where it's Beckham went to Real Madrid, but. It wasn't seen as antagonistic by Beckham, more by Ferguson against Beckham. And he was obviously a United fan. He's at this game. Lots of shots of him up in the stands. Rude went to Real Madrid when he'd fallen out of Ferguson, but he was probably on the slide by then anyway in terms of his performances. Um, and, and other heroes. I mean, uh, Paul Ince is, I suppose, the obvious one for a player who left fans very angry about it and now feel, you know... They hate him now. There, there won't be too many United fans who've got a nice thing to say about Paul Lintz, but he was a great player for United. And if he hadn't um, gone to Liverpool, and if he hadn't gone to Liverpool after was it Roma or something? I can't remember. Inter, Inter, Inter. He went to Inter, then to Liverpool. Yeah, and, and you know he maintains to this day that um, it, Ferguson sold him against his will. That's not quite the way that people see him, you know. But uh, um, maybe we'll never know the truth of that one. But anyway, complex relationship. But Ronaldo's always had a, you know, a great relationship with the United fans. Well, Whether he deserves it or not is another question. Yeah, he has been given a great relationship by United fans. Um, um, and and you know, like he kind of hurt, he didn't celebrate much when he came back and scored the goals with Madrid, but he went absolutely ballistic when he scored for Juve against us. And that that felt like the transfer to Juve to me felt like. You know, could have come to United probably if he wanted to at that point. Like, he's, there's no, there's no, there's just, just like. I'm not sure at 100 million <laughs> plus his salary. <laughs> he just. I mean, you've you basically bankrupted himself, themselves to, to afford that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, he scored an absolutely unbelievable goal and he's absolutely unbelievable in this game. He, and he was an absolutely unbelievable player. Um, anyway, so, so United two up in 11 minutes and they're just. They're just absolutely bullying Arsenal at this stage. I mean, I, I can't think of a... They, they apparently have five shots on target across this game, Arsenal. They had a lot of possession, a lot of useless possession. Um, but but there's nothing in the first half. I mean, there's a couple of crosses that Van der Zaar has to claim. One nice whipped-in free kick from 
from Robin van Persie. But most of the time, this is United being just incredibly efficient with the ball and breaking a real like the the earmark of what really happens in this game the the classic sort of thing that, that demonstrates the the how the game is kind of shaping up is Ronaldo is caught offside so often yeah. because they're just trying to play into the channel for him on the break yeah over and over and over again and Paddy says you don't have to go so soon they they'll they can't catch you Ronnie and he's absolutely right they they can't. I mean, one of the things I did really enjoy about watching this was just RVP watch. And like, oh my gosh, I love RVP so much. This is ironic, right? This, like, just going on and on and on about how I don't have any affection for Ronaldo, a player who, like, whatever you say about him, definitely gave it his all for his entire time at United. Even if, okay, you could say this season maybe he had longer off for an injury than he needed to or whatever, but that's his worst actually at United crime. RVP give it one good season, didn't like the managers and kind of down tools for two years. I still absolutely <laughs> adore him. Like every touch he has in this game. Like, oh, Robin Van Persie's so good. Um, the swung left, uh, I think it might be a right-footed cross. He just swings a foot at it and like nothing comes from the cross, but he puts it right in the danger area from a kind of like ball that's overhead height for him. And that, yeah, absolutely brilliant free kick from a brilliant cross from a free kick that nothing comes from. And we haven't talked about Rooney much. It, it takes him a few minutes to get into the game, but then he's he's great in this game, of course, you know, in, involved in Ronaldo, the third goal, which comes up later, but but just gets much more involved. I think he's coming off the left, but he's able to influence the game. And we see him uh, one lovely attempt where he cuts inside us in the first half um, onto his right foot and curls it. It's very, very close, isn't it? A good save of Malminia. I just, I, I, that's a really nice description of it. I'd just written Rooney has a dig. Rooney has a dig. Like he has a little, has a little go from distance, but it's a lovely shot. And, and yeah, much is made of the, of a, of a pretty decent save from Malminia. But like, it's not, it's cheating having this, this period, Rooney and Ronaldo in the same team. No wonder like Liverpool got 86 points, which is a lot of points, especially then. No, nah, no, no dice, pal. We're getting ninety points. Like this is this is a ridiculous team. It's a great team. It's it's just a yeah, and and with a couple of changes in this game, and it's still a great team. Yeah, um, and just completely dominant over Arsenal. So dominant, in fact, that Arsenal fans are reduced to cheering offsides. So it's just it just feels like such an Emirates thing to do, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't get some plastic flags out and wave those at the same time as well. I mean, I had a little sympathy because you, you were a few minutes ahead of me watching the game and you mentioned that. And when I saw it happen, I had a little sympathy for them because there'd been a couple of pretty obvious offsides not flagged. So I think they were just ironically cheering the linesman more than anything. Um, and But also, they'd come like full of hope and optimism and joy. And within 11 minutes, it's like, oh, right, okay, so we're going to have to sit through another like 85 minutes of getting absolutely schooled by these this team we hate more than any other team, you know? Well, at this stage, Arsenal are only five years from having last won the, the title. Yeah. Right? So they'd won it in, in 2004. Is that right? 2004? Well, 2005, no, 2004 we have, was we their have, last title. We have this conversation every time. I think we've yeah, had this yeah, conversation no, <laughs> on four out of five Game Club episodes. So, so it goes, anyway. 2 3 we won it. 3 4 they won it. 4 5 5 6 Chelsea. 6 7 us. All right. All right. So anyway, round about five years since they last won the title. Then quite got used to losing yet. Now it's 16 years and they are thoroughly used to losing. 
Well, they're, they're three years removed from being in the Champions League finals themselves, aren't they? Because they were in the right. 2006 Champions League final. So, yeah, it's they're, 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 not, they're not a spent force. They're just, they're on the verge of being a spent force. So here's some really nerdy maths that I did. Um, and I'm just going to say, I did not triple check this. So it's possible that I'm one or two off, but the theme basically counts. So follow me, follow me here, listeners, stay with me. Since this game in 2009, we've played them 26 times. So I looked up the record in that 26 games, and then I went back 26 games before this one, because it felt to me like the, this tie is a real turning point in the relationship between the two clubs. They basically become our sort of like, from being a team that are our biggest rivals, they become a team that we can pretty much get four to six points a season off, guaranteed. Um, so in the in the 26 games that we'd played before this, Arsenal, this is home and away in all competitions. Arsenal had won 10, there'd been five draws and we'd won 11. So honours very even. In the 26 games since, um, we've won 13, they've won six um, and we've drawn seven. And two of their six victories have come in the last two seasons. So like up, to, up, you know, up till things changed, you know, in very recent history, They'd won like four games since this against us in in eleven years or something. So it's, it's well, they, it maps. We were we were big rivals. Then they went a bit, <laughs> and now we're both a bit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, who's gonna make it back to the top first? I mean, I would bet on us. I'm not particularly uh, yeah. optimistic about United, but I do think we are. Our chance, we're going to end up being better than Arsenal. I mean, maybe Arteta will prove to be a secret genius, but it's going to, it, that's what it's going to have to take. Yes, I mean, we're still Billy Big Balls with the, with the transfer funds. And in fact, in the current climate, United should be in a relatively strong position. I mean, there, there is the Champions League, Europa League thing to navigate. Um, but yeah, uh, got to get it right. We've got it wrong a lot. Um, in in recent years, in terms of the transfer market, I, you know, the vast majority of of the transfers made since uh, Edward Wood came to the helm when Ferguson left, I think, have been poor. The recent record is better. Wan Bazaka, Fernandez, albeit only eight games played or whatever, looked great transfers. Maguire warmed into the season, didn't he? I think we were quite critical at the beginning, and then he's had a much better second half. If you can call it second half to the season, Daniel James will see. But, you know, it points to some more promise there. Arsenal are just, they are useless in the market. They're useless on the pitch. And you can kind of guarantee that from them because they've got, you know, arguably even worse owners than us. Absentee landlords who are happy to take the money out of the club and don't want to invest. And they're quite happy with Arsenal being a fourth to sixth place club. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about one of the great Manchester United goals of all time, a goal that probably every single person listening to this can close their eyes and see. There can't be many people listening to this that haven't watched this goal five times minimum. Like... 50, 500. You just watch it all day long, can you? It's it's as good as you remember. If you haven't seen it for a while, totally and utterly, breathtakingly, amazingly brilliant goal. Just, just, just the... Dictionary definition of how good this United side was on the counter. Well, oh, I mean, genuinely. Yeah. And, uh, so it comes, and it comes from a, what, an Arsenal corner. 
Um, that's well defended. It's who gets first touch? Anderson with the first touch, Park with the second. Yeah, and, and then um, so a thing it is, whoever it is that, that um, puts the ball into midfield, Ronaldo's come such a long way back. I think it's Anderson. Ronaldo's come such a long way back to get the ball, and he's really worked hard to get himself into position. What he does with that position is this sumptuous flicked touch to Park. Which kind of made me think about like we've got we've got forty minutes into this show. I know we cut the first minute, so thirty nine minutes into this show um, without doing a Ronaldo Messi comparison. But one one of the things that always comes up is that Ronaldo is the kind of you know Ivan uh, Drago from Rocky Four machine who's like just built himself into a killer rather than natural talent or whatever but his level of natural talent is absolutely unreal as well and and this is just this is that impudent improvisational brilliant genius footballer that he was as a kid and still was occasionally at this point um that little flick to to park it's it's poetry in motion isn't it oh sure yeah and and i i think that characterization of ronaldo Peak Ronaldo and most of his career, Ronaldo has been deeply unfair. I don't think he was just the the um, weapons of mass destruction type player that that um, you know was insane in the gym, and that's what built him into a great player. So he had uh, every component, and the comparison with Messi is always this deeply unfair one, which is just kind of pointless and ridiculous. Anyway, I I, I don't want to get into that. But uh, his layoff to Park's great, and then Park, you forget what a good range of passing Park actually had. Spots the pass, executes it perfectly, perfectly. It's into Rooney's stride. It's not into his feet, Paddy, which allows the break to Paddy happen. Paddy Curran's commentary is poetry as well. Just like. Rooney's there. Will he see him? He has seen him. It's just, oh, it's lovely. It's just a, like a warm hug. But it's really nice. By this point, Paddy's mellowed a bit and I find him much more enjoyable than uh, 10 years earlier or whatever it was, uh, the previous game that we mentioned. Um, there's a, the, the ball from Rooney to Ronaldo. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like lawn bowls, the waiting on it. It's, I was trying to describe it. It's it really rolls along the ground. It doesn't. There's no bounce to it at all. It's very flat trajectory. It's quite slow because it needs to be. But it's. I mean, it's literally perfect. And then you know, Ronnie with a great touch and wallops it into the roof of the net, and that there's much rejoicing. And it, it's such an emphatic way to. I mean, not that the game wasn't already beyond doubt because at no point did it look like Arsenal were going to score four, but this it's completely and utterly over by this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, look, this, if this was a boxing match, United had just won eight rounds on the trot and you really should throw the towel in and, and here, here, here we go with a big uppercut. It's just completely flawed them. So it's, uh, yeah, perfect goal. Completely, you know, nail in the coffin ends it all. Except we have a little bit of drama, don't we? Sad drama at the end with um, Darren Fletcher getting sent off in the seventy-fifth minute for a great tackle on Cesc Fabregas, the pizza chucker. It's just so sad. Now I am not in the camp that believes that we would have beaten um, Barcelona had Darren Fletcher been available, but it would have been. A fairer fight in midfield had Darren Fletcher been available, 
And anyway, that's not the point. It's the personal sadness. There's something about, you know, um, like there's there's all the conversation about Keenan Scholes in 99. And and there's something about the legacy of Keenan Scholes that overrides that. Possibly not for them. I don't know. I mean, Scholes certainly wins another Champions League. Roy Keane is an all-time legend and, you know, a lot of people's first name on an all-time United eleven team sheet. Darren Fletcher, this would have been the crowning moment of Darren Fletcher's career at the peak of his powers, just before he got poorly. Like, it's really, really, really sad that he was sent off by a stupid referee and a stupid rule and a stupid Cesc Fabregas. Yeah. I mean, in the final, Giggs played. And, like, not that Giggs is a bad player. He's in his late 30s by this stage, I guess. Mid-30s. I mean, he's just always seemed old and- after about two. Th- I mean, because 2008 is when he equals... It's the final that he equals Bobby Charlton's appearance record for United. So he's now a season right. past Bobby Charlton's number of appearances. Right, right, right. He's, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, and and you just wouldn't give him anywhere near the same kind of level of defensive protection. Anyway, so it's it, he he gets his right foot to the ball as Fabregas is going through, and the left foot is not a scissor because he's come from the other side. His left foot follows through and takes Fabregas out, and Fabregas makes an awful lot of it. It's just an awful lot of it, and it's. I don't know with VAR whether it had been given. I just don't know that you could say that after he's gotten touched on the ball that Fabregas has the ball under control and it would definitely be given as a penalty because he would have to have that ball under control. He definitely wouldn't have missed under the triple jeopardy rule, wouldn't have missed the final. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just have so much love and respect for Darren Fletcher. I mean, I've talked about this loads of times on the podcast, but... I don't think people know how bad ulcerative colitis is. Like, just one of the reasons that it's hard to get your head around how bad it is is the fact that he played professional football again after living with it for a few years. Like, that's miraculous. It's it's It takes a level of drive. And, you know, Fletcher, from the moment he gets into the United side, is just relentlessly hounded by our wonderful support and... Those oh, uh, those lauded fanzines that are so great and represent United fans so well um, is just constantly pilloried. Even though he spends the whole first part of his career playing completely out of position in a place he'd never played um, because he was so desperate to play first-team football for United. He's a, a fantastic... So he's the kind of player that is made to look a thousand times better than he was considered at the time by what's come since Fergie's retirement. Like, peak Darren Fletcher is miles better than anyone other, up till the last couple of seasons that's played in United's midfield since he re- since he left, basically. Yeah, and a player that reinvented himself. I mean, he was a creative attacking midfielder as a youth team player, very nearly made his uh, debut as a 16-year-old before the Premier League blocked it, broke a leg and had to sort of rebuild from there. So... He's uh, he, he he and then he's had you know, all the um, all the other problems with his health. So yeah, he had a, he had a great career, and and this was a very sad moment for him to to miss this final very unjustly, especially especially given it was the pizza chucker who he'd bullied for the entire game. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's fascinating the 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 
these specific moments in time. On the Stadio podcast, they've been doing a what if series of like, what if certain key moments in football had gone differently? And it'd be fascinating to know. Let's assume that what if is that um, United somehow did win the Champions League final. You wonder how the next few years would have gone. Because we, you know, we talked, we talked over and over and over again after 2011 about how United get closer to Barcelona. But between 2009 and 2011, we we take an enormous, enormous, enormous backward step that they've never, you know, we've never recovered from. We we always talk about the post-Ferguson decline, but it started here. This is when Ronaldo leaves. That's the end of the era. The the, the era is held onto by like sticky tape and glue and. Robin Van Persie's season and Ferguson sure. being Ferguson. Yeah. Well, we spent the Ronaldo money, as it was called, for some considerable amount of time on on Gabriel Obertan, Michael Owen, and Antonio Valencia. I mean, it just it's just staggering, isn't it, to to think of the, the to think of the fact that we did that, and then there were he had five more seasons in charge, and he won the league three times. And the two times he didn't win it, he lost on goal difference and by one point. He's like a crazy. I mean, he's just in. It's just insane. Uh, might, that might be out of. It's actually it's four seasons, isn't it? But anyway, still two see two win the two wins and then a loss by a point and goal difference. In spite of selling Ronaldo, and but so you know we, you said before we started recording we're going to have a little chat about this era of a team from. 2006 so we win the league in 6-7 win the league in 7-8 win the league in 8-9 lose it by a point sorry yeah lose it by no we we won no we lost it by a point in 9-10 to Chelsea that's the season Rooney scores all the goals then we win the league in 10-11 and we get to the Champions League final we fluked our way to the Champions League final essentially and got absolutely scored by Barcelona but we still won the league Lost the league on goal difference. Well, I'm not sure we fluked our way. Just had a very easy semi. Yeah, I mean, pretty. The quarterfinal against AC Milan, I think, was not much cop either. If I remember rightly, they were they were not a good side. Um, no, oh no, I mean, Chelsea, the Champions Chelsea. League final team in 2011 is some step down. So Fabio Fernandes, Evra. Valencia Carrick Giggs at this stage, 37-year-old Ryan Giggs, Park on the left, Rooney and Hernandez. It's, yeah, um, it's not nearly, it's not as, nearly good. as good. I think I made a factual error, but I can't remember what it was. Anyway, it's fine. Don't worry. I, I, whatever it is, listeners, I spotted it. Um, I'm tired. Um, as were United after this. But the, the, the thing I was going to say is like that run of league titles with this team and the team that kind of followed... Because Ferguson I just got eked every last drop out of the bits of this squad that were left after Ronaldo. Left, oh yeah, you know, he's he's one Drogba offside goal away from winning the 2010 yeah. title, and he's a, a you know a deep into injury time winner from Aguero when Marcuse had basically thrown <laughs> the game as QPR manager. The dirty filth that he is <laughs> uh, from winning the title in 2012. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. Standards. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and it's so evident that it's him as well because the personnel, there's no way that 12-13 side is like qualitatively, like squad-wise, 
qualitatively a massive leap above what's ha- what we've had since. It's just not. Um, so, especially given the age and profile of the players. But anyway, uh, hey, guess what? Alex Ferguson is really good at managing football teams. Like this is this is the revelation. Surprise! Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the kind of analysis you come yeah, to this exactly. podcast for. Um, this was really fun to watch, but it wasn't uh, a game. It was a procession. And it was, it marked the beginning of the end. Well, it marked the complete end of the era at which Arsenal were significant rivals to United. They just haven't been since. Um, I mean, well, they are again now because we've lowered ourselves to their level. But, you know, and that's they they entered a period of extended. While all this was going on, they were like qualifying for the Champions League every season, guys. (laughs) Like, Arsene Wenger's a really nice guy, guys. I mean, I love Arsene Wenger, (laughs) by the way, but still. I don't know why you would. What? What do anyway, you mean? We're going to talk. We're going to talk about him in the uh, bonus are you, content. Are you well, telling me? And Ferguson. Are you telling me you don't have affection for Arsene Wenger? That, that no. that's wrong, Ed. That's just wrong. Why, why would I have affection for Arsene Wenger? Because he's because he sold us Robin Van Persie. Well, it's true. We didn't talk about Van Persie's penalty, by the way. Oh, what a pen! <laughs> it just it means nothing, and he just sticks it right in the right in the top corner. But as yeah. with the 8-2, which is actually 9-1, because we count Van Persie's goal, here's actually 4-0, because we get to count Van Persie's goal. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what game are we going to do next? I don't think we decided, did we? We've got like a load of potential candidates for, for the next game, but I can't remember what they were. You 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 wrote a list. Let's pick pick one, Ed. Well, well, I uh, I thought we could talk about Eric Cantona's comeback against Liverpool. I can't even remember whether this is a good game or not but uh you want yeah, to talk about that one i think that game finishes two all and he scores a penalty and swings around the goalpost. robbie fowler scores some very good goals if i'm not mistaken we can talk about that game if you want sounds good to me we haven't got a lot of these left we don't think do we no i mean if, if football does come back on june the 12th then we've we're going to do a few more weeks of this yeah and and I, I guess uh, end it a week or so before the uh, the big kickoff to to preview the final third of the season and talk about whatever uh, format they've come up with to play it. Where you know will be playing, uh, you know, whoever in Swansea City Stadium in front of no people, but not wearing. One of the three worst kits in Man United's history. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that yeah, just briefly before we, before we end. Yeah. Before we finish. Uh, I mean, I I realise, I 100% realise, folks, that this is going to make me sound old. And I'm not that old, but I hate all of them. I hate them so much. And I hate them for different reasons. I hate the proposed, assuming these are all correct, and they normally are, these leaks, you know. Um, the home kit... Red dashes of yellow and whatever. I mean, that's our worst ever first team home kit. Definitely, it's, it's terrible. It looks like bus covering, bus it seat coverings. You know when, um, you know when people say like something looks like something, and it's like yeah. it can be a little bit for the purposes of exaggeration or whatever. It looks, exaggi- yeah. it looks like bus cov- bus seat coverings. Like I would not be surprised to find a literally identical. Bus seat covering to it's this. It's the number eight to eleven team, you know. It's <laughs> I don't know if the number eight goes to eleven team, but it's it, it's just awful. It also looks like a Liverpool kit from the the nineties. 
The second kit, the the uh, the away strip, is a, the dazzle camo black and oh, is, white. is that problem, the second kit? The I... second kit, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, so as a standalone kit, if this was our weirdo wacky third kit, I'd be buzzing. Like I like this kit just as a stunt. Like it's great, but I really agree with your point that it kind of just isn't a United kit. Which I think is okay. I think you can do that. I think you can do that with your third kit every season. You can have like a, a the wack- wacky third, yeah, yeah, or training tops or whatever. You know, like the uh, the Chinese themed one that you like, like Stanley Chow's work, all of it, just not this one. Sorry. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, my problem is it just doesn't feel like a, a Manchester United kit, and that's you know that is. Uh, Going to get a bunch of people calling me Boomer on Twitter, I suppose. I'm not a Boomer, but... Um, and then the third one is is green, sort of a army green colour, which, again, I suppose if you're going to say it's some kind of... I'm sure they'll market it this way, you know. Is it an anniversary of some kind? Is it a hundred and something years since United's birth because it's green and they won't call it gold? <laughs> yellow. But it's not green. Is, it, or something. is there not, any yellow in it? I think there's touches of yellow. Okay, on there. all right. Well, but it's but it's not Newton Heath green, is it? It's horrible no. army green, which is very appropriate for the ridiculously militarized. Anyway, never mind. Let's not get into that. Um, the, 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 but yeah, I like I said, I like the second kit. I think it's standalone, nice. I guess you could say it's white and black with bits of red. That's United, but and it's fine to have. I think it's fine to have a kind of one far out kit but the fact that the other two are really bad really kind of puts a dampener on on my sort of secret love of that second kit because you know i think i think uh, since we shifted to adidas however many years ago five years ago mm-hmm. some five six years ago there's been a solid range of yeah. of kits i think and i think a lot of the the home strips are very traditional well no i think you're just thinking of the first year because then there was the one with the hexagons, which was sort of two halves, which kind of looked true. a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was the one, I might even be this season, it feels like a million years ago, but with the weird tram lines fading to black at the bottom that fades into the black shorts. That's not, yeah, that's not this season. That was the year, yeah, that's year last before. Season. Yeah, I, did, I, did, I didn't really like that one. No. Yeah. Because it just looked like they had really, really long shorts. Yeah. <laughs> just like your granddad. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, hate all these kids. Talking of your granddad, we'll stop talking now as we sound like your granddads. Um, and uh, we're going to do some bonus content about the Wenger-Fergie rivalry. Couple of granddads. Yeah, so if you're um, if you're a patron backer, stay tuned for that. Everybody else will be back on Thursday with some... Oh, well, I guess Friday for you guys. We'll record it on Thursday with some Eric Cantona chat. And I don't know if you know this about us, but as old men, we really like Eric Cantona chat. So yeah, that's coming up. Um, Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, everyone. And really look after yourselves. Take care of yourselves out there. And um, we'll see you Friday. Stay alert. Thank you.